My name is Jenny Afkinich, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Are you hearing an echo? Okay. All right, thanks. I am a member of your board of trustees, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to worship today at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. As we begin, we honor the Piscataway people and their ancestors. It is upon their lands that we in Columbia reside. We are served by the Reverend Paige Getty Minister, as well as a talented and dedicated team of religious educators, musicians, and other professional staff. Much appreciation goes out also to the many lay leaders and volunteers whose incredible work and dedication help to keep us connected. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whomever you love, and whatever your faith tradition, you are welcome here. We particularly welcome any guests who are joining us this morning. We encourage you to fill out the visitor's form either in the lobby or online and to connect with others during the social hour following the service so that we may meet you and welcome you. And for those attending worship here in our sanctuary at the Owen Brown Interfaith Center this morning, please take a moment to silence your cell phones and other electronic devices. We have a variety of announcements this morning and multiple people making those announcements. Uh, so. First we have, newcomers to UUCC are invited to join staff member Sarah Davidson at 11.30 a.m. today in room 213 for a snack potluck. You are invited whether you brought a snack to share or not. Those who are interested in signing the membership book will be invited to do so during your time together. Families of all shapes and sizes are invited to attend the PJs and Pancakes happening next Saturday morning at 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. in Sanctuary B. Bring your stuffed animal, 
friends, wear your favorite PJs, and head over for a free breakfast of pancakes, coffee, and orange juice. And join UUCC members Jill Christensen and Pamela Henry next Sunday from 2 to 5 p.m. to decorate a holiday box that you can use for cards, mementos, or even surprises. We will use cigar boxes, decoupage, collage, and trimmings in this fun-filled activity for all ages. This is an auction event. However, Jill and Pamela would like to see more folks join this to craft with holiday music and treats. So join in on the fun, whether you bid on the event at the auction or not. A donation box will be available to place donations in support of UUCC. And next, we have an announcement from UUCC member Kevin Mercer. Good morning, and thank you, Jenny. Um, my announcement is about Script. If you don't know about the Script program, how it works, or what it does, please stop by our table during coffee hour. There are a lot of announcements this morning, and I don't want to spend our precious collective time on those details. Right now, I'm here with an ask. The pandemic, of course, has affected many areas of our lives. Some of these unseen and kind of ripple effects uh, in a very ex uh, specific, explicit, in, a, in, a, in an example, thank you. <laughs> I made you laugh. Uh, the script program has been sitting on a lot of in card inventory, which was purchased just prior to COVID-19. Do you have sprouts? Yes, we have sprouts. We also have Giant. We have Safeway, Food Line, and Weiss. As a matter of fact, we have Fandango, AMC, Lowe's, and a whole lot of Regal. I mean, a whole lot. So if you're living in Columbia, the local Regal is right there at Snowden Square. Hang, hang, hang on. Yeah, yes, Mark. We have, we have $10 Subway. We also have Boston Market. I asked him to ad lib a little bit. <laughs> we also have uh, Boston Market. Einstein bagels, Panera bread, Starbucks, Sweet Frog, all in $10 cards that are great for stocking stuffers or really for you to use also. In addition, we have a variety of other stores like Old Navy, Marshalls, Home Goods, Target, Macy's, Joann's, and many others. So here is my ask. Will you help us clean out our stock and get some cash back in the UUCC coffers? If you will be buying gift cards for your holiday shopping, please consider helping UUCC at the same time. The script table will be at the coffee hour for the next three Sundays, and then the first Sunday of every month going forward. For those watching from home, you can also place orders on uh, script at uucolumbia.net. And now you will be treated to another exciting announcement from UUCC youth, Tegan Vro McLaughlin. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> my name is Tegan McLaughlin, and my pronouns are she and her. Us youth are taking the lead to help run the Secret Santa shop happening at Cradle Rock Elementary School. This shop helps students to pick our gifts for their families during the holiday season. These gifts serve as a way for children to learn some independence and show their family how much they appreciate them. 
Next Sunday, youth and Little Free Pantry volunteers will be collecting your donations. So please, next Sunday, the 11th, bring any, anything you'd like to donate. These things could range from jewelry to toys to dish towels, really anything you have lying around your house that could serve as a gift to someone else. Leftover gift wrapping supplies and gift bags are also welcome. Thank you for your donations. And for our final announcement, we'll hear a video, we'll hear a video message from Scotty Scott, co-chair of the, of the Covenant of Right Relations Committee. Here today to talk to you about UUCC's draft Covenant of Right Relations. Periodically, we all find ourselves in uncomfortable situations where we face disagreements. It is tempting to get defensive and possibly try to take a right or wrong frame and find reasons to blame the other person. Disagreements may actually challenge us to reevaluate what we believe. We might ask, is there something that I'm missing? Have I been wrong and caused harm or hurt feelings in the past? Does this make me a bad person? Is my motive to find truth or assign blame? Our mutual challenge is how to remain open and truly communicate in a respectful way without putting ourselves or others at risk. It is amazing how often that we find that our goals are similar. It is how we choose to accomplish the goals that differ. This provides many opportunities for finding a better way. For example, we don't have to give in to listen. We don't have to accept blame to apologize for perceived harm. Everyone deserves respect. Those creating harm may not know that they are creating harm or they may be acting out of their own pain. Misunderstanding may be creating a perceived conflict. The draft UUCC Covenant of Right Relations, the CRR, is intended to be an assist in, but also a commitment to create a respectful environment in which we can struggle together in our spiritual journeys and challenge each other to live our values. It also can be an assist for each of us to spread this community building skill beyond UUCC into our personal lives. Over the next few months, the Covenant of Right Relations CRR Committee will be offering short presentations about the individual commitments that the Covenant calls on us to make. Throughout the spring, UUCC members will have the opportunity to learn about the proposed CRR. The CRR committee welcomes feedback, including a possible editorial or substantive changes. The CRR will then be brought before the congregation for a vote in the 2023 annual meeting in June. That vote will be calling for a commitment, not just for our acceptance. A covenant, in this case, the covenant of right relations, is a promise we make to each other and to ourselves. For more information, contact the CRR committee at CRR underscore committee at uucolumbia.net. <laughs> Thank you.
Paige Getty. I use the pronouns she, her, and hers, and it is such a privilege and a pleasure to be with you and to serve as minister of this congregation. Just a couple more housekeeping notes. If you're having trouble hearing and you're in the room here, please see the tech team in the back. They can share a hearing assist device with you. If you'd like to follow along in the order of service, since we aren't printing many of those anymore, please use the QR code that you're seeing on the screen, and then you can follow along on your own mobile device. Also, I think Jenny mentioned, but if in case you didn't hear it, please do complete the visitor form if you're a guest with us today. We'd love to be able to stay in touch with you beyond just on Sunday mornings. And finally, a reminder that in the service today, it'll come later in the service, but as always, we will honor personal joys and sorrows of people in our community. And so if you have one that you would like to have voiced this morning, please send that by email to joysandsorrows at uucolumbia.net. Or if you're in the room here, you may write it in the Joys and Sorrows book at the back of the sanctuary. So right now we are embarking on the darkest month of the year here in the Northern Hemisphere. It's a little more than two weeks until the winter solstice, which is that day in the year with the shortest amount of time between sunrise and sunset and with the longest night. There's often a lot of attention given to things that are hard about this season, things that are difficult and scary and discouraging. The lack of sunlight, the cold weather that exacerbates depression, how our unhoused neighbors are at greater risk, how the natural world seems so devoid of color on the surface. But there's also so much about darkness and about winter that is healing, nourishing, that is good for us and our bodies. So this morning, in song and in poetry and in reflection, we are going to celebrate darkness. So I invite you to take a steadying breath now. And as I ring the bell, allow its sound to call you fully, reflectively into this space. Ingrid, I wonder if you might like to come light the chalice. Would you be willing to do that? Thank you, Ingrid. Thank you, Ingrid, for lighting this flaming chalice. And now we're going to dedicate this flame with a poem written by Kristen Harper titled the darkness divine. God resides in depths of darkness as in the light of sunbeams. 
The moon shines brighter surrounded by night, and life is secure in the black waters of the womb. As the night sky littered with stars demonstrates again and again, there is beauty in darkness and beauty in light. No one more brilliant than the other. One no more necessary than the other. One always complementing the other. Without the heated darkness of the universe, splitting neutrons, electrons, and protons from atoms, life and light would never be. The task for us today is to recognize God in both, to see the divine in the rich brown earth, the textured black walnut, as well as the white snow and the pale pink jellyfish, to see the sacred in the panther and the swan, to embrace the dignity of the black Madonna as it is embodied in the Virgin Mary. The task for us today is to look into the multifaceted colors of the onyx and see the miraculous spectrum of color produced in the prism of a diamond. Will you please rise now in body or in spirit we're going to sing hymn number 55, Dark of Winter.
you remain standing for a moment as we continue to join our voices, this time in speaking our congregational covenant, which, as Scotty mentioned, is the promises we make with and to one another. Strengthened by our common humanity and inspired by our seven principles, we promise to be a safe and welcoming community, to nurture each other's hearts and spirits, to delight in the beauty of our diversity, to struggle together on our spiritual journeys, and to challenge each other to live our values. Thus, we pledge our time and vigor to the continuing celebration of spirit, of the world, and of humankind. Thank you. And now will you turn and greet one another and welcome everyone into this space today. So when it's dark, excellent answer. What was your answer? Uh huh. So she said when she's afraid of the dark, she goes to find mom and dad for comfort. And she's not afraid of the dark anymore. That's a great answer. So yes, when it is dark, our inclination is to turn on the light, right? But what if instead of reaching for a light, we embrace the dark? Some of you may be familiar with the Danish concept of hygge. After much research this week, I have discovered it is indeed pronounced Hugo. <laughs> it's interesting to note that there's no concrete translation of the word from Danish to English. Danish-American writer Tova Mern Stotsgaard once noted that Hugo was never meant to be translated. It was meant to be felt. While there's not a literal translation, in essence, the word represents the idea of being cozy and comfortable. And it's something that's so ingrained into Danish culture that the uh, cure for the common cold recommended by Danish doctors is tea and hygge. In Denmark, the winter weather temperatures hover just above freezing and the days are short. The sun rises at 9 a.m., sets at about 4 p.m. That means there are up to 17 hours a day spent with the dark. 
Danish culture embraces this opportunity. Rather than fighting to find light, they shift their focus toward embracing the gifts that the dark has to offer. They focus on simple things that make them happy, cozy blankets, warm drinks. They use this time to intentionally make space for quality experiences with family and friends, savoring everyday moments. Hygge, it is said, can help you feel at peace with yourself and the world around you. It's about seeing the world through the lens of darkness and noticing the gifts. And so Amelia is going to help me out this morning. She's going to hold this up for me. And I wondered what would happen if there's only light. So I'm going to paint with a little light on light this morning. What shape? Can you name a shape? What shape should I put up? What shape? A heart. You want, and we'll come to you next. So you would like a heart. So I'm going to put a heart here. Oh, look at all of that light. Huh? Huh. What shape would you like? A triangle. A triangle is a great shape. I was hoping someone would say triangle. Huh, what do you think? Tough to see, huh? Anyone else have a shape? Did you have a shape? No, should any, anybody else have a shape? Let's do a circle. Let's do one. What was that? Did someone say, I knew somebody in this room was going to say dodecahedron. How did I know? I know you all. I'm going to do a circle. <laughs> dodecahedron. <laughs> right? Sure. <laughs> so there's a lot of light here, right? It makes things a little tough to see. Let's sit with that for just a second. In the little book of Hygge, written by Make Wyking, the CEO, mind you, of a Copenhagen think tank called Happiness Research Institute, <laughs> Wyking shares a story about Christmas Day spent with friends in a woodsy cabin. After a hike in the snow, the friends sat around wearing sweaters and woolen socks, enjoying warm drinks. One of the friends asked, could this be any more Hygge? Everyone nodded when one woman replied, yes, if a storm were raging outside. So I thought maybe our painting needs a bit of a storm, a little bit of darkness, right? Let's see what happens when we add that to our painting. And let's see what will happen. Hygge is a time of sitting around wearing warm sweaters and socks with a storm raging outside, surrounded by people you love, going inward, reflecting, slowing down. It is a time of embracing darkness rather than searching for light and taking time to notice the gifts within the darkness, because there are indeed some things that only truly shine in the dark. Please join me in singing our children to classes.
So we are going to pause now before we enjoy more words and invite you to consider your gifts to this congregation and in particular the gifts of your financial resources to sustain the work that we do together. Michael will again offer his gift of music and your generosity will be gratefully appreciated. A Blessing for Traveling in the Dark by Jan Richardson. Go slow if you can. 
slower, more slowly still. Friendly, dark, or fearsome, this is no place to break your neck by rushing, by running, by crashing into what you cannot see. Then again, it is true, different darks have different tasks. And if you have arrived here unawares, if you have come in peril or in pain, this might be no place you should dawdle. I do not know what these shadows ask of you, what they might hold that means you good or ill. It is not for me to reckon whether you should linger or you should leave. But this is what I can ask for you, that in the darkness there be a blessing, that in the shadows there be a welcome, that in the night you be encompassed by the love that knows your name.
Unitarian Universalists actively embrace multiple sources of wisdom and inspiration that inform our worldviews as individuals and as institutions. Among those sources are the spiritual teachings of Earth-centered traditions that celebrate the sacred circle of life and instruct us to live in harmony with the rhythms of nature. What does that really mean, to live in harmony with the rhythms of nature? I think that perhaps more than any of the other sources, this particular one encourages us to recognize that our humanity is intimately connected to the physical world around us. It encourages us to stretch beyond the comfort of ideas and reason. It urges us to be fully in our bodies and to tend to those bodies' physiological and psychological needs. We celebrate the sacred circle of life and live in harmony with the rhythms of nature. We recognize and honor the miracles and mysteries of birth and death and all that comes between them. We recognize and honor the power of different stages of life of differences in gender and sex and strength and size and shape and color. And we pay attention to the rhythms of the earth, of nature beyond our bodies. <laughs> the roof is being cleaned right now with loud, noisy things. <laughs> I'm just going to name it because it's going to be a distraction for me otherwise. And we will still try to listen beyond that to pay attention to the rhythms of the earth, of nature beyond our bodies, as I was saying. We observe growth and decay of flora and fauna. We notice cycles of dormancy and flourishing in nature. And by living in harmony with the rhythms of nature, we lean in to the gifts of the season, whatever the season may be, even the dark and cold of winter. The winter, which ancient wisdom teaches is critical to the health of our roots, our inner being, our essence. During this time of cold and exposure, we are most dependent on the strength of that which is within us. We have no natural layers to really protect us from the bitter cold. And so the body and the psyche turn inward to keep alive the nourishing core of our being. Just as seeds buried deep are protected from external threats. And there they rest through the winter that they might be ready in the spring to burst forth in full splendor. And so it is for us humans as well. We cannot, we should not persist in maintaining the same levels of activity that are abundant in other seasons. 
Our bodies need not only daily rest, regardless of the season of the year, but also extended times of dormancy and inactivity. It is arguably impractical to follow the cycles of the sun rigidly. That would have us turning in before 5 p.m. and not rising until after 6 a.m. for the next few weeks, which, by the way, I would happily do. <laughs> but we still are encouraged to follow their guide, to rest more, to turn off the artificial lights a little earlier in the evening, to pay attention when our bodies pull us toward the comforting security of blankets and warmth. As Kristen Harper writes in her poem, Creation in the Darkness, there is peace in darkness and mystery and the unknown. And if we can rest in its grace, cease fighting to control it, we just might see in it the face of God. Earlier in the service, you heard another of Harper's poems titled The Darkness Divine. It comes from her book by the same title, The Darkness Divine, A Loving Challenge to My Faith. Reverend Kristen Harper is a Unitarian Universalist minister, and I commend to you this loving challenge to our shared faith, which is or will be available from the UUCC bookstore. In this book, through personal story and poetry and scholarship, Harper explains the ways in which darkness has been demonized in our faith tradition, especially how that demonization has affected and harmed those among us who are black, indigenous, and other people of color. Sometime in the 1300s, Harper teaches, black became associated with sin and sorrow in English-speaking countries. By the mid-1400s, when the doctrine of discovery was first legitimized and the colonization of African nation, nations encouraged, black was used to mean terrible, wicked, without moral or spiritual light. But even aside from the connection to sin and moral wickedness, darkness almost always has been considered negative, Harper teaches. In Old English, the word dark meant without light, obscure, gloomy, sad, cheerless, sinister, wicked. Phrases like dark mood and dark night of the soul only reinforce those negative feelings. We're taught to fear the dark, that the monsters and demons come out in the dark. But, she writes, those who hurt others under the guise of battling monsters do so as much in the daylight as in the night. The light does not hide war, famine, abuse, greed, torture, or any other kind of violence. Light does not hide our sadness or depression, our loneliness or our despair. Darkness may even be a salve to the intensity of the light. And so Harper, the poet, reminds us of the nourishment and growth to be found in the dark. In the poem, Creation in the Darkness, she writes, in the beginning, there was darkness, a blackness that covered all, comprising the building blocks of creation, the nutrients and nurturing needed to birth the world. 
Another theologian, the Christian faith leader Cole Arthur Riley, who is the creator of black liturgies, reminds us that in Advent, we put all our hope in the sacred blackness of a womb. As we wait, we remind ourselves that darkness, which is far too often reduced to a trite symbol for sin and death, in fact has the unique capacity to bear the divine. In Advent, we reclaim the holy dark. So for this particular season, the season of winter, the season of Advent, as we respond to that Unitarian Universalist call to live in harmony with the rhythms of nature, I commend to you one more of Kristen Harper's poems. This one is titled, Brave in the Dark. Why must my heart break at the setting of the sun when darkness comes with loving hands to draw me into sleep? Is not the blanket of the night as warm as morning rays? Are not the stars that fill the dark sky connecting me to the world of dreams and imagination? Does not the blue blackness of night's expanse deserve our awe and admiration? Without the glare of light, I can finally see See beyond the masks, beyond the robes that hide all imperfections. See the tears and rips and ragged scars that mark the truth hidden in the light. Yes, it takes sharp eyes to uncover the life beneath the dark ocean, but the yellows and oranges and reds contained there are just as magnificent as those on land. The light does not reveal more to me than the dark. Truth is, my heart is already broken, and the sun sees it not. The blazing fire in the sky does not allow me to speak more easily, to name my suffering and bask in its flare. But in the dark, my tears can fall in relief. In the dark, my scars fade, and I can sense healing. In the dark, I find freedom and can finally be brave. In this season, I hope that all of us will allow ourselves to be called in by the darkness, that we may be brave and find healing and that as poet Jan Richardson writes, in the darkness, there may be a blessing. In the shadows, a welcome. That in the night, you will be encompassed by the love that knows your name. To sing in the bleak midwinter, those of you who gathered last week know we did it last week. We're going to do it again today because it's perfect. Three verses this time, you'll see them on the screen. Please rise, in body or in spirit.
you. You may be seated. And thank you to Dorothy Hutchins, who's a member of our worship team, who's going to place pebbles in our communal bowl of water as we share joys and sorrows today. This is the embodied part of our ritual that we include as we give voice to joys and sorrows. We honor the way that each one of your lives rituals, ripples out and touches all of us. And finally, for all the joys and sorrows that are too scary or too private to lift up in this moment. Thank you, Dorothy. And those of you here in the sanctuary who would like to honor your own joys and sorrows in silence, please come forward during the music meditation in a few minutes. But first, let's share a moment of reflection and prayer. Holy Spirit of life, of love, Spirit of darkness and light, may we know the healing, nourishing embrace of this earth, of this community, of those in whom we place our trust and our care. May those among us who are feeling fearful be encouraged. May those who are ill find healing. May those of us who are at risk of complacency find courage to act. And may we all be held by the love that knows our name. Amen. Blessed be. Thank you. 
We are called into the darkness of this season. And yet we know that we will not stay in the darkness any more than we will stay in the sun. We need both. And so in that spirit, I close today with the poem Revelers, written by Lynn Unger. Call it a spare time dark afternoons and the bones of trees rattling against the sky. We could use more hope or reason for hope. The sea is rising and bombs are planted in the marketplace. It might be better to just go to bed. It might be better to turn out the lights and wait for the end to come. The only other choice is to dance, that and to sing sturdy songs that have held up across the winters, drink wine the deep red of blood that has not been shed, feast, tell tales of heroes who strode or stumbled through their own bleak times. When in doubt, revel in the darkness. Each act of celebration is a spark. Gathered together, they bring back the sun. Will you rise now and join your voices in singing our closing benediction response, Dona Nobis Pachem.
Is love. 
Me. Yeah. 